You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning and welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Emily Leadham. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we are so excited that you are spending some time with us this morning. We've been having a fabulous conversation. We just got done talking with Bishop Donald DeGrude of uh, the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls, Bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls, talking all about just the reality of where many people find themselves right now uh, in terms of maybe feeling a little bit lost in right. in their identity, in their uh, value, perhaps. I think, uh, gosh, did you hear the, the numbers of people seeking out uh, counseling services and uh, calling the suicide prevention you know, hotline and that kind of thing over the past several months has just skyrocketed? Yeah, I think among young adults, like 18 to 24, um, I think a quarter of them have had suicidal thoughts. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's put on a four. That's a, yeah. But when, as Bishop was, as we're talking with, with Bishop, when you're not able to do the things that normally, you normally do when you are forced to stay home. I mean, in some places, I mean, here, maybe South Dakota where you and I are, um, it's been, it's a little bit different because we're a bit freer, but still we've experienced some of the, the, the lockdowns that others have in other parts of our listening region, let alone other parts of the world. Yes, absolutely. And I think especially for college students right now who are uh, used to being in person, I was just talking to, to a young gal this morning who, though she's on campus, many of her classes have now moved to online. Right, and so just right. the, the transition of how do I do this? How do I engage with the world around me as a social being yep. without some of those things? Exactly. in place. Yep. So uh, we are, our next segment here, we're joined on the phone by Father James Mason, who's the president and rector of Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Father Mason, are you there? I am here. Good to hear your voice, Chris. You too, Father. Uh, Father Jim is a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, who we have generously loaned to, <laughs> to the Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So, Father Jim, can you just tell us a little bit, maybe actually to start with, about yourself, a little bit of, of your own personal history leading up through to, to and through ordination and from there? Sure. Well, I'm a priest of 19 years, praise God, ordained in 2001. Um, prior to the priesthood, I, I mainly grew up in Minnesota. Um, I went to St. Thomas and the law school at the University of Minnesota. I was discerning the Jesuits. and At the time, I actually rented the basement from uh, Bishop Carlson, who was on auxiliary, and we would have daily mass and, and morning prayer. And in that discernment, then I uh, decided not to enter the Jesuits, and I was a prosecutor in Minneapolis. And then Bishop Carlson offered me a position in Sioux Falls as lobbyist and director of Catholic Charities and Legal Counsel. So I took that, did that for a couple of years, was kind of running from the Lord for a while, and then I mm-hmm. got tired enough and uh, <laughs> entered the seminary and uh, got ordained, was a priest, a parish priest in Garrison, South Dakota. I love that. And, and then uh, director of Broomtree, vocations director, uh, a lot of other vice chancellor, medical moral advisor, and then pastor at uh, St. Lambert's, which I also love. In that, towards the end, a spiritual director for a number of years had been asking me to pray about being open to going into seminary formation to form future priests, and I really didn't want to leave the parish, um, but uh, the, I said, okay, I'll be open, and if um, the Bishop Swain at that time says that he thinks that's God's will, that's where I'll, I'll follow, and that's how I ended up in St. Louis. 
Father, so you mentioned how you sort of ran from the Lord for a while before you got tired. So can you talk a little bit about, um, so back to when you were discerning or trying to avoid discerning uh, your own call to the priesthood, what was it that sort of was drawing you despite yourself? And then how and why were you fighting it? Well, it wasn't really on the radar for me growing up. I mean, we were Catholic kind of in an average type of sense, and we practiced the faith. So it wasn't in my imagination, and you know, I we we have I have seven siblings, twenty five nieces and nephews, uh, you know, and I, I was dating some very wonderful Catholic women. The beauty of marriage, the beauty of family, and yet there was something within what I would call my heart of hearts that was saying I'm called to something else. And it it's not just you just don't get it written on a sheet; you have to actually, you know, receive it. And and most of us, you know, in a sense, struggle with it. I, I give a talk to the men called the ache of celibacy. It's a holy ache that even Jesus would have experienced in a good and holy way. It was, you know, in Matthew 19, it says, there are those who do not marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. If you can do this, you should. That sake is sacrificial, but there is a joy in it when you surrender. So I think I tell the story of, you know, going on a retreat with a blind Jesuit, and he said, you know, after my fatigue and not being able to eat or sleep, he said, you know you're supposed to enter the seminary. And I said, yeah, you need to, but you can't. You can't get ordained unless you find joy. And I was two years into the seminary, and an image that often come to me was a axe battle flight with like an axe or a, a sword, more like Braveheart style. And I'm pretty physical, and and I I kind of like to fight, so I would just pray with that. And and I never told went into spiritual direction with it because I didn't know that it was something of importance. And finally, I was just so tired of the fight that I dropped the axe, the sword, and it clanked on. I was in a cobblestone church by myself in Rome, clank, clank, I hear clanking, and, and um, I realized I'd never asked who I was fighting, and I was mm. fighting God. When I surrendered, I just received the incredible joy and peace. So, I, I you know, it, it's meant to be, it's human, it's meant to be a struggle. It's different for different people, but um, that that's how the Lord off works. And so bringing it into my imagination, you know, threw me to the church was probably the truth. Of, of the reality of it, right. reading the Catechism and the Bible, and, 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 then, and then, of course, meeting Jesus, and then growing in that. And, and then it has to be love, ultimately, because that's the only thing that's going to last. Hmm. Father, how did that joy manifest itself? You know, bef- uh, before, as you were wielding your axe, um, and after dropping your axe and experiencing that profound sense of joy, how did that permeate into the other parts of your life where you were actually then free to experience joy? Right, so, you know, I, I got zapped, if you want to call it that way, it's just the Holy Spirit just coming through, and what it did was it, it opened me up to enter more and more in into formation and not uh, live in a fantasy, or because those kind of things would come up, oh, you could always do this, you know, the whisper, and I said, no, this is who I am, and, and, it, and, it, and within ordination, you know, really never looking back. That doesn't mean that at times you don't think, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great to have a wife and children? Yeah, but I, I have Jesus, and God bless a, a husband and, and, and mother in their vocation. You know, it's, it's complimentary, but um, you, it, there's just knowing who you are and how you've been called, that's, there's such a deep sense of joy and security and freedom, real freedom, you know, and, and, and that's really needed, and hopefully... You know, boldness, and, and I think that's something the Church needs today. In Acts chapter 4, the Apostles pray three or four times, not for the gift of prophecy or not for the gift of 
tongues or healing, but for the gift of boldness. Mm. And, and it's very much needed today in witnessing our faith. And, and Dr. Bergwald knows that I can be pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but, you know, it's tempered, hopefully, at times. But, you know, within my morning holy hour, within bringing, and then in leading our future priests into that. Father Jim, uh, we're going to get to probably in, in five minutes or so on the other side of the break. I want to talk about um, your role now as a rector, but sort of staying kind of with what we're talking about now, that, that sense of battle, but um, dropping the axe, dropping the sword for the sake of joy. You talked about love as well. Uh, I think, Father Jim, when we're looking at the church today, and, and there's a lot of people who would say, yeah, we got we to gotta get in there and fight, and, and there's bad... I've, I've talked to friends who, you know, understandably are kind of frustrated with things going on in the church, but but that sense of joy and love, Father, I, is, is, to me, so often lacking. At least it's not apparent. It's not visible that there's joy and love and peace and trust in the Lord in the midst of the battle. What What's your encouragement, maybe, along these lines to folks who who are like, we, we got to get in there and fight for the truth, fight for the Lord, but are maybe doing it without love and without joy. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. Have they dropped that sword first? I mean, it it all begins with surrender, and then it, then that allows Christ to come through you, because you can have the rah-rah, and, but not but not be in love. That is, you know, James and John, let's, hey, let's bring some thunder, the sons of thunder down on yeah. the town, and you don't know me. I mean, yes, mm. they had, in a sense, good intentions because Jesus was getting rebuked, and they. But it was a it was a disordered love, mm. so it has to be properly ordered, and and that begins in humility and my, my recognition that I have to surrender, and then I do, I speak the truth in love, and and that that is needed today. But that and 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 I can do it in peace and not with a club. I mean, that can be a danger that, you know, oh, I have the truth, so I've got... And some, some of the seminarians I work with that were, well, we're Orthodox, therefore I have the club of Orthodoxy and the shield of Orthodoxy, and I don't need anything else. That's not going to be a happy priest. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. Orthodoxy is, is foundational, but he wants my heart. He wants not just my head, he wants everything. And and that, uh, like I said, was just so unseminarian recently, and he said, that sounds painful. I said, it is. <laughs> 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 Father, who, who um, maybe somebody you think of today who we might know who's living, or somebody of recent memory, like uh, modern, not literally, well, maybe canonized saint, but um, who, who, who does this well that, that you could point to us? Like, follow her example. Follow, follow his example. They're doing it right. Who comes to mind that way that we might all be familiar with? Yeah, well, I think for me, and because I was a priest at the time, it's St. John Paul II. And because he, you know, just a brilliant mind, but also could call out. Now, some people will criticize, oh, he didn't call out enough, or he missed this, he didn't discipline this. You've got to understand there's humanity always involved, and none of us are perfect in any of these things. But speaking, I think Veritas' splendor, the splendor of truth, is perhaps the most important encyclical of, of our time going back. Is it understands the relationship of, of, of freedom and truth, yeah. and that you only act in freedom when you act in the truth. And the truth is the person, first and foremost, Jesus Christ. So we think freedom's being able to do whatever we want, whenever we want, and that equals pain. Right before you answered, John Paul, I whispered to she Chris, did. John Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering for you, Father, if he was instrumental in your vocation. Yeah, I mean, it was more when I got to Rome and, and really got to know his writings and and. 
you know, for me, the, the vocation was so in my own heart and, and, and running from it and, you know, and just saying, finally saying yes. But when I got to Rome, his, that's in the seminary, you know, and I was able to deacon the Mass with him and, and, and it just the holiness was so wonderful to see. Wow, how beautiful. Well, we need to take a quick break. Uh, Father Mason, don't go anywhere. Friends, if you're enjoying this conversation, we're going to have a lot more on the other side of the break. Uh, This is Emily Leadham. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we will be back in just a few seconds. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Emily Leadham. And we are visiting today on the phone with Father James Mason, who's the president and rector of Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Father Jim, we had a great conversation so far this morning. Kind of want to uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about um, the work that you're doing at the seminary there in St. Louis. First of all, so your title, president and rector. What exactly is a rector and what does he do? Yeah, so, I mean, for the president part has to do with the academic end of it, that we have a college and we also have a grad, grad, grad school. But the rector part of it is, remember, there's really four dimensions in formation. There's the human, there's spiritual, the intellectual, and the end goal is pastoral. So the rector part is that you are forming, you know, future priests to be healthy, holy, joy-filled parish priests. 
And so a common theme, I say, what does this look like in the parish? What does this, is this man easily, easily assignable, assignable, barely assignable, unassignable? Is, can he work? Can he be with people? You know, and, and all of those things. Is, what is his prayer life? Is, is, does he, is a holy hour part of his prayer life? Does he know the love of Christ, the love of the Father? You know, all of these things. The rector is, is, is in charge of that. So now, I have great priests, faculty, and lay faculty that, you know, assist me. And I, I, I think the best in the country. I hands down. <laughs> so what, what's your favorite what's your favorite part of being rector father jim and everything you just said what do you love doing the most it's the spiritual fatherhood and, mm. and the men coming in and you know there used to be a coming kind of a false dichotomy with the men thinking well if this is spiritual that's internal forum something for spiritual direction that i really shouldn't share and, and i used to say to the men listen Jesus didn't break internal form when he spoke of the Father's love. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't realistically speak of how you've experienced concretely God the Father's love, you're probably not called to the priesthood. So I can ask you, get based. Now, there are parts for spiritual direction, certainly parts for the confessional, but their openness, and the guys today are so open that my door's open and they're coming in, and, and this spiritual fatherhood. Wow. What's your biggest desire for the formation of priests today? And has it changed maybe from what you think was needed 50 years ago or, or anything or like that? Or 20 years ago. Or 20 years ago. Seminary. Yeah, when you were in seminary. Um, what's your real heart for formation? You know, first, kind of the progression of I will give them shepherds, where I think the first one that, that they dimension they address in, in the 1980s and 90s from John Paul II's encyclical is the, the educational or the academic and more, or, more orthodox-founded teachings. And then I think they went to the pastoral, and you had pastoral assignments. And then they went to the spiritual, and you started having 30-day, and IPF was always doing that. And now it's finally the human, which is probably the hardest. Yeah. And the men today come in, um, there's a lot of anxiety connected to screen time. There's a, there's a lot of Internet issues. So really, uh, working on the human, which is the foundation, right? Grace builds on nature. And, so, and a lot of the guys might have come in without work experience, so understanding... That, and teaching that, kind of fathering them in that way. Um, how it changes is we're, we're not in Christendom anymore, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're in an apostolic age. That's real. You know, our structure of our country is not, doesn't have Christian principles at its basis, really, in the media or the education or the government or the courts. And so there has to be a new type of formation, and that's why it's the boldness of speaking the truth. Father, I think of uh, in, in, in other contexts, it seems to me that while in the past um, we could sort of send young people off into the world kind of with a peacetime footing. I mean, our, our, our right. nation has been maybe Protestant in its founding um, in terms of its Christian dimension, um, but but by and large, up uh, from the beginning, there have certainly been anti-Catholic elements, but the principles have been generally compatible um, with, with our faith up until the 1960s. And now increasingly, it seems like we have to send um, young people into the world more in a wartime footing where they have to be ready for battle. Would that be... A- right, well, yeah, and, and look, even in an apologetic, you look, during our time when we were in the seminary, if you spoke of that, it was about defending Mary or explaining the Eucharist. Right. We still need to do that. But today, it's about explaining life and yes. marriage and sex, a male and a female. Yeah. It's the natural law. Yeah. And that's how far we've, we've fallen away. You know, in, in the second century, Diogenes is, is a 
one of the writers, and he writes about these Christians who they, they're in the world but not of the world. Yep. And then he says something, they don't expose their children. So they don't throw unwanted children into the ditch. They actually collect them. And then, they, then he said they share their meals but not their wives. They were mm. radically different on the moral life. And, and, and that's going to be one of the things that we have to freely enjoy is following Jesus. He has, his demands are, are actually freeing. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm jumping out of my chair. So, so good. So what does that look like <laughs> with with men being ordained to the priesthood then today? You talked about human formation. That's that's to when I talk with lay people about how they are called to sort of <laughs> follow a sort of similar path as lay people. Um, human is the, the I think the toughest one for them to imagine. What what does this mean? What does that mean? You, you talked about some of the things like screen time, anxiety, and so on. Um, what are the other challenges, but also then the benefits of human formation? for our, our, our seminarians today. Right, and Father Paul Hazing, we're working on it all together, though we're doing a, a, prime, a human formation primer, which gives benchmarks, and it starts with, when the guy's first here, he's what's called a propedeutic stage, and then he goes to a discipleship and configuration, and then a pastoral synthesis, and we put up what, where the man is at, intellectually or spiritually, these benchmarks, were, I, we're the only seminary that I, I think is putting out something public, publicly like this, what this looks like. And, and so, a layperson asked me this, and I said, let me put it in lay terms. This guy's 25. He discerns out that he's called to marriage. Would you want your daughter or niece to be courted by him in Beijing? Amen. Yeah. Why or why not? And someone said, oh, well, that doesn't really matter because he's going to be a pre-. No, you no. don't understand. Yeah. He has to have that capacity. And if he doesn't, then we have to work on something or get off the train for a while because you can't just be on the track heading toward your ordination when you haven't really confronted something right this and and it's interesting you know uh my husband is a physical therapist and in his work he he teaches at the collegiate level uh at the graduate level in their physical therapy school and one of the greatest things that he often hears is the affective domain is the greatest area of of growth needed among young professionals meaning that human formation component um father What's the role of community, leisure, and play in the human formation of uh, our future priests or of or young people in general? You know, maybe we have parents that are listening to this that are wondering, how do I uh, help my child to grow in this way? What's, how, do, how do those things, that community living and the ability to play together, to laugh together, how does that help us to become more human? Well, it's an essential part of who we are. And so, you know, we have Yates, what we call Yates Caritas groups, which on Thursdays between three and five guys, you know, they come together to share their week, their ups and downs. They'll do something social. We also, of course, have sports and things like that. But then it, it teaches you how to interact. And so it is a very important part of, of you know, of basically formation. Because is the man kind of comfortable in himself, natural? And even, too, can he accept, you know, constructive criticism? Because we need to be able to challenge. That's what I said. Mm. You know, some of the Sarans asked me what they could do, and I said, you know what? Um, don't just be cheerleaders. We've got enough mascots. If you see something that is not, you know, that is a little bit off, help us challenge the man. Wow. Said, we need to work in this area. And, and because it's great he wants to be a priest, but that's not enough. Yeah, it has to be formed. And so in those things like community and leisure, we would have Naz- we had Nazareth nights before the pandemic where the first Friday we'd have about 100 young adults doing praise and worship, adoration with a talk by one of the deacons, 
and then a social event afterwards. So hosting people at the seminary. We have a women's group called Fiat. I run a men's group called Forming Men for Christ. So they learn we're called to go out, and we have to go out. We can't kind of be this weird island or cocoon. Mm. Father, um, talking, thinking about um, that human formation and so on, um, What's so along the lines you were just saying? What's your encouragement to us as lay people? Um, you know, here in our diocese, uh, we get to interact with seminarians from now and then. They're assigned into parishes, as you know. What would be your encouragement? Maybe along the lines you were just speaking to lay people um, when they interact with seminarians. You said we don't need more mascots. What what can they concretely do? Well, I mean, with prudence, you know, it, it would also define your relationship and how well you know them. Yeah, but invite them over to dinner. You know, get them come into your home and get to meet them. And, and if something is kind of a little bit off, I, you know, that is something that you could share with the man or share with uh, Father Jordan Sampson, the vocation director, because that's that's called formation. You know, that is external forum. We cer- certainly support them, but we we'll also say, you know, this is this is what we're looking at. But it's great to have them over, and and so you know, your children can see this is a it's in their imagination. This is a normal part of life to the sooner call. I love that because it it invites them into and gives them an opportunity as well to see family life in action. Um, exactly. That I think is a great compliment to their to their formation, right? To their ability to do future ministry. Right. Yeah, we had that with, on, on the thirty day. One of the men shared the grace, and it was he was with somebody who went to the Benedictine, newly married with a baby on a day of repose, and just said that fits for them. It was so wonderful, and there was joy in his heart. And then the other day of repose, he was with a newly ordained priest, and, and his heart was just like, he saw the joy in that, and he said, you know, they're both good, but this is my call. Mm. And, 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 and being able to see that. Wow. How beautiful. Well, Father, any, any final thoughts, reflections that you would like to share with our listeners this morning? we got about a minute and a half left, Father. Uh, just uh, thank you for your continued prayers. Uh, Sioux Falls Diocese is always in my heart. Uh, hopefully I'll come back for some hunting. Um, I stay in We're working on it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and honestly, God bless uh, Bishop DeGrood. Um, I, I cannot tell you how impressed I am with him. And uh, He's a man of prayer, holiness, and action. And, and, and he's really got a shepherd's heart. So continue to pray for him. Absolutely. Great. Thanks for having us. Or thanks for joining us today, Father Jim. Uh, it's always good to hear your voice and on those few times to see you. And maybe you could come, you know, for a, back for a longer, not just a visit for hunting, but maybe somebody, <laughs> something longer at some point soon. Um, month of July, I'm always there directing the 30 day. There we go. <laughs> we just got to come see you at Broom Tree. God's will be done. God's Amen. will be done. But I think it's for yeah. you to come back to the diocese. <laughs> Father James Mason, President Rector of Kendrick Glennon Seminary, thanks for being with us this morning. Yep, God bless. Thanks, guys. Talk. You bet. It's always great. Father Jim is the reason I'm in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I, I think you know that. I did not yeah. know that. When no. he was studying seminary in Rome, I was a layman studying and um, uh, got to know him. We became friends. And then when there was an opening here, uh, he called me and told me. So great wow. to get him here. God's so, providence at work. It was a great, great interview, great conversation. Coming up next, um, continue the theme this morning. Suffering is a part of each of our lives, but can suffering also be evangelizing? That's where we talk about on the other side of the break. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm Emily Leadham. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we will be right back.